This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with Rob Miller, 55 Forge. It's another great day for wellness. And this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tunis Hunt, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom, and I am super excited about today's episode. At the age of 51, Rob Miller had a triglyceride level of 367, was 30 pounds overweight and in need of a hip replacement surgery. Rob was forced with a decision to either continue on his current path or to do something different. Discover what Rob chose to change and the remarkable transformation he was able to achieve. In today's episode, learn what he believes to be foundational to fitness, how he went from hip surgery to posting in the gloom in weeks, his strategy to be healthier as a respect than he was in his 20s, and what he discovered to be the key to get healthier during the pandemic, and so much more. And be sure if you like this episode to share it with your family, other PAX members, and on your social media. But before we get started, this week's health tip. When it comes to performing your best, nothing plays a bigger role than how well you slept. Sleep is important to your health. It is our body's opportunity to recover from the strain and stress that we put on it during the day. Failure to allow enough time for sleep, or if your sleep is poor, will result in fatigue, loss of motivation, and overall decrease in performance. Implementing strategies to improve your quality of sleep is one of the most impactful ways of improving your overall health. And although there are plenty of strategies to begin implementing, one that is at top of the list is your bedtime. When you choose to go to bed each night has a significant impact on both the quality of sleep you have and the benefits you gain from it. There is a biological clock in your body called the circadian rhythm. This rhythm is responsible for how energetic and tired you feel throughout the day and night. Timing your sleep pattern around this rhythm is extremely important for maximizing your sleeping benefits. So when should you plan to go to bed to optimize your sleep? Research shows that the best time to go to bed is between 9 and 10 p.m. It turns out that you want to time being in a deep state of restorative sleep with the energy spike of your circadian rhythm at 12 a.m. And it takes approximately two hours for your body to reach a deep restorative sleep state and begin REM cycles. In fact, it is believed that every hour of sleep before midnight is worth two hours of sleep after midnight. Consistency also plays a huge role in your ability to fall asleep and the quality of sleep you get. Your body prefers to go asleep and wake up at the same time every day. This is why it's important to stick to your bedtime on most days and why waking up on the weekends will actually give you more energy than sleeping in. So, maximize your health by optimizing your sleep. Consistently go to bed between 9 and 10 p.m. so that you're ready to accelerate your king in the gloom. 
Now, on to today's episode. Hello, Packs of the Nation. This is Bones with a, another Hunt for Wellness podcast. I am super excited about today's episode and our special guest, our high impact man, or what I like to call our healthy impact man. We have none other than Forge joining us. Uh, thanks, uh, Forge, for joining us and your willingness to share your health journey with the Packs of the Nation. Uh, it's good to be here. Um, I look forward to uh, maybe sharing a couple nuggets that other people can use and helping others is what it's all about. Yeah. And uh, so just to kind of get started, um, as far as uh, allowing the packs to know who you are, where you're posting and kind of a little bit of background. So tell us a little bit about where you post, uh, what your region is, and uh, how'd you get the name Forge? Um, So I'm from Charlotte Metro. I live in Charlotte Metro. Uh, I usually will pick up a Saturday post at, you know, at core or maybe a Thursday at the hot box. Uh, the last four weeks I've been doing the iron packs thing, which is great. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so I, I actually don't do a ton of F3. Um, I, I do some other stuff on the side. I, and it's funny cause I sort of joined F3. I always joke. It's like, I really don't like the first F <laughs> part of it. I really joined for the second cause I really needed more, more fellowship and more, and more faith and faith-based fellowship in my life. That's sort of what was missing um, for me. Um, do you want me to dive into what, uh, like kind of what got me on getting into the whole fitness thing? Well, yeah. So, you know, first of all, this is a uh, health and wellness podcast. You're not helping us out with that uh, lack of F3 posting there. Uh, no, but I'm teasing you. I, Cause I, you and I had a chance to talk a little bit offline and, and I know that you still accelerate your King in other ways. And that's something you're going to share. Um, but you know, when it comes to health and wellness, it isn't just about phys- physical fitness. You mentioned the fellowship aspect of it and the faith aspect of it. Um, so what about the F3 experience with the second F and the third F that you're really finding is also enhancing your health um, as, you know, as far as being part of that? Well, I mean, it really goes down to, it's actually, if you would say, if you would ask me, Hey Rob, what's the single most important thing out of this entire podcast that you can tell the packs that they should do if they want to get on a, a health and fitness journey, I would say it's really faith, which, which you wouldn't think of first. So it's believing in something outside, you know, outside of yourself, but really having that basis. So I know I'm kind of going off the rails here a little bit, but not really. I mean, in my opinion, you really have to have that um, because you can't do anything on your own. Is my, so I'm, you know, I, I have a, there's a different face. I happen to be a Christian. So I believe in God and Jesus. And, um, and so really what did it, what really got me to where I am today was joining a men's fellowship, you know, a, bi- a weekly Bible study. So I think that's foundational to everything else. Cause then you have the power of prayer. You have, uh, you can let a lot of your anxieties go to faith. You also have that moral compass. You have th- that fellowship. So, you know, I would think of first step and I don't, and, and church is fine, but I don't, for me, church, just going to church and showing up and checking that box didn't really do it. It wasn't, I didn't really have a transformation until I joined a, a weekly Bible study. That way you're, you're more focused on what you, what you, what you need to be doing 
Um, oh, there's a word. Well, you have a bit. Yeah, it's basically you're kind of conveying that there's something bigger than yourself. There's bigger purpose in your life outside of just trying to achieve something on a personal goal. You know, because a lot of people get exercising for vanity. Let's just be honest. You know, getting stronger, looking better in the mirror, and, and so forth. But in reality, there's you know, and in the Christian faith, um, you know, I, I'm familiar with as well. And they talk about, you know, your body being the temple, right? And, and, and really transforming that body. And so when you have a faith system that allows you to look and approach exercise and physical well-being from that perspective, I think it's just, you know, it's another catalyst to kind of keep you moving and motivated and so forth. And I don't know if 100% that's where you were going with that, but it kind of felt like you were trying to share that that faith component of it is really one of those catalysts for you to can make sure that you are accelerating your king and queen um, versus just for the purpose of, of doing that by, in and of itself. It's foundational it's to me because that way, you know, in, in, in my faith, you know, we are we are put here and we're given a day, the gift of each day and each hour that we're still alive and on earth that we're supposed to be in service to others, you know, be humble and in service to others. And, I, you know, I can't, you know, if I drive down the road and there's a guy broken down in a car and I'm X weight all, all jacked up and I can't balance on one leg or do anything, how helpful am I going to be to changing that tire or pushing a car out of the intersection or dragging somebody out of a, out of a lake that's drowning or whatever. I mean, I, it just makes you more effective at being a servant. So it's that, like you said, it's not vanity. It's not really for me. You know, it is for me, but then also now you're there for your family as a protector. Um, something goes bump in the night. I got it covered. You know, I could leap over a bed if I need to, whatever, you know, it's, so it, that's that's like i mean you know there's so many components to fitness is like how many reps should i do what weight should i do what how much running should i do what food should i eat this food that but really until you get that first the faith component then you're rocking it's kind yeah of, in my humble opinion sure no i totally understand what you're saying and i often talk about having impact and your ability to have an impact on others and that's your health plays a role in that. And if you're not healthy, you're less capable of maybe doing some of the things that you just mentioned, you know, certainly from a physical fitness standpoint. So it sounds like you've dialed in some of your fitness because of your faith component and, and really achieving that because of the impact that you want to have. But uh, if you're like most people, you weren't always hundred percent fit. Uh, fitness wasn't always part of your uh, regiment or, 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 forefront of your mind. So kind of back us up a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your journey, kind of when you kind of came to this realization that you weren't uh, where you wanted to be in your fitness and some of the things that you started implementing to start moving you in the right direction. All right. Yeah, good. That was, that's a funny story. Cause it's like, it basically a doctor said, yo, <laughs> you know, like, so, and so what happened was, you know, in my, and just to give some context, you know, I'm 55 today. So we'll go back to like my mid forties, mid to late forties. Um, you know, a big part of that, that servant component also was, you know, we we grew up in the, or my boys are both in the scouting program. They both made Eagle. So I have two Eagle scouts and during that. So in my mid to late forties, we were going on a lot of hikes and campouts. And like my, my back or something was like jacked up. And like, so like about maybe, you know, 2015 ish, 
you know, for like four years, I would always get this little kink on hikes that like something was, and I'm rolling on the foam roller, trying to mess, figure it out what the heck it is and stretching and doing all this stuff. And finally, like in 2018, when I was 51, I finally went to go see a doctor and I said, Hey, what's up with it? You know, I figured they're going to hook me up with all kinds of stuff and it'd be six months of tests and MRIs. And in 30 minutes, he came in and goes, I know what you need. You need a new hip. <laughs> he said, you were basically, I had a birth defect and my joint was shaped like an egg instead of a, uh, instead of round. So it just wore the cartilage out prematurely. So after, you know, 50 years, it was done. So um, basically in that, in that, when I got that diagnosis, it was like a shocking, like, oh, I need a hip replacement. I'm 50. I'm not that bad. So he looked at me and he's like, look, he said, you know, this surge, you've been messing with this for like three, four, five years, you know, putting up with the pain, like every step. He's like, can you wait a little bit to get the surgery done? He's like, because if you would, you know, shed some of that weight and train for it um it'll go a lot better for you and then so i started thinking and it just it just lit a spark in me i'm like you know what you know i'm in 36s sometimes i go up and down my 38s are getting a little tight he's like you know i run my own company he's like i cannot be laid up for six months you know getting a surge i can't miss work like that so i gotta take this serious this is a big deal so i was like he's like well you know you were a swimmer in high school and college I know your leg hurts, so you can't run or anything. So why don't you just get in the pool and swim? So that's what I did. So, you know, I immediately joined uh, the JCC, which is down the, the street for me. Um, and I swam a couple days a week just on my own um, and just started shedding fat, you know, and getting some cardio and all that too, of course. And I swam and then I kind of um, but burned out on the swimming because I'm kind of burned out on swimming because I swam so much from a young age. So I ended up started going, I, um, I started training in the weight room doing resistance training um, and a lot of balance work, all those little muscles that nobody knows about, all the supportive muscles in and around your hip, you know, a lot of balance, you know, one-legged squats and lunges on a BOSU unbalanced surface on like a BOSU ball, um, you know, deadlifts, bench press, you know, all, a lot of dumbbell work, all kinds of stuff like in an unbalanced situation. So es essentially I trained for about a year for the surgery, like, like it was going to be a BRR or something. I was like serious about it. Like, I'm going, I'm going to, so, because I wanted to, I wanted to get that surgery done, boom, and get back to work. I didn't want to be laid up. So the results of that is I had the surgery a year later, this was spring of 2018 on 51. So when I was 52, spring of 2019, I went in in January, had the surgery, bottom line, two, three hours later, they sent me home. Within a week, I was walking up and down stairs with no aid. And that was January and March. I went out to Worcester Blackcomb skiing and I skied better than when I skied when I was in high school. This is two, three, and I was back in the gym in like four weeks, three, four, I was calling them like, three, like, hey, I was trying to get back earlier, but they're like, nah, you gotta give it four weeks. So, so I didn't, I didn't miss a beat. I mean, I worked the whole time. I missed maybe a day or two. Um, didn't really, I think they gave me a bunch of pain meds and I took maybe a half of one the first day. Cause, and then that was, I mean, iced it. And I mean, I was, it, the recovery was unbelievable. Uh, so I'll take a pause there and then I can go. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it sounds like you approach this surgery, not as a victim, not as somebody that's going to have to just go through the motions. And, but instead you looked at that as an event that you can train for, um, which I think is important to think about uh, because I think a lot of times people get these health diagnoses and, and, and sometimes the, the attitude is, 
well, poor me, or this is going to affect me this way. But it sounds like you had a different, uh, you know, approach to it. And you mentioned a few things in there. You mentioned balance training. Um, tell us exactly kind of what you were doing from a balance standpoint that you felt like uh, were really key differences in helping you recover as quickly as you did. Um, well, I mean, for example, you would stand on a BOSU ball, which some people don't know what it is. It's basically a flat surface that's round on the bottom that is very unstable. And you might have two feet together um, doing like an iron cross which is, with weights, which is a, a squat and standing up, you know, while you're balancing on that or, you know, lunging off to side lunges, you know, with, you know, dumbbell, holding dumbbells up or, you know, you know, going one arm out in the front one arm, you know, lateral raises one out really unbalanced things or using the cable pull machine with one, one leg in a lunge position with one foot on the BOSU, one on the floor, you know, with a cable pull machine, all kind of crazy, just, you know, or, I mean, you figure there's just numerous things you can do. You want to, and a lot, even like when you're standing on the ground, like I was just messing with the people with the iron packs when we did it on Wednesday. I was like, if you want a little extra core work, you know, instead of doing your overhead press with, you know, with shoulder width apart feet, go ahead and put your feet close together. So you have to engage your core and, you know, you, so you're starting to engage all that, those that stability muscles, you know, these step ups when we do on like uh, on these, you know, boot camps, when you're stepping up on a, on a higher surface, one leg step ups, whatever they're called. And you raise your leg up. I mean, that's if you can gauge your core, you can do that. You know, standing on, you need your core to, you know, put, I mean, when I started, you know, and when I, in my mid eight, I had to sit down to put my socks on in my mid 40. Now I can stand up on one foot and put a sock on, you know, or lift my leg in the shower and wash my leg. You know, you stand on one leg is just not a, but that's all those little stability muscles that they're not real they're not real popular. Everyone likes like biceps and pecs and, you know, all these big muscles, but it's these little muscles that nobody knows about from these compound unbalanced move, unbalanced movements that are really to me. I mean, I've never even knew about them. They don't get any press because they're, they're not sexy muscles. They're hidden in there, but they're the big deal. I mean, just little stuff. Like I'll be throwing the Frisbee with the dog in the backyard. And it used to be like, I get a, dance and I throw a little frisbee now it's like I can just pick it up off the ground spin around and hit my spot and if I'm not careful that frisbee goes over the fence now where I used to not even be able to reach the fence just because you've got all these little stability muscles coiling you up you know golf whatever you same thing boxing yeah I mean you're bringing up some really good points of you know what people fail to realize is how uh, poorly their balance is you know when we're younger and we're a little bit more athletic. We don't really think about it as much because youth and, and muscle tone can compensate for some of that. Um, but certainly, you know, as I work with patients, as they get a little bit older, you know, some of the reasons elderly fall and break their hip is because they lose that balance, right? That they're in, they're unable to do daily activities, which require just the simple act of getting up from the floor. Um, and, you know, Pax, this is a challenge to you. I mean, try to sit down on the floor Indian style or, you know, cross leg and get up without putting your hands on the ground. Uh, I, I'm willing to bet a majority of you will find that is a lot more difficult than you think. And, you know, the, the reality is when it comes to training our bodies and our muscles, those intrinsic muscles are most important. Um, 
you know, obviously as a chiropractor, we see a lot of people with herniated disc and what the public like the term slip disc or whatever, and, and they have all this back pain. And it's usually because they lose that core stability. Um, uh, a lot of times we bypass that uh, with our training because we're doing, you know, the, what we like to call the beach muscles, things that, you know, make us look good walking down the beach uh, with our shirts off, but they fail to do some of that core. And so when I go to move, for instance, what I'm supposed to do is to kind of use those intrinsic muscles first. That's supposed to kind of surround the spine and uh, uh, hold it in place so that then the global muscles, the bigger muscles can then move my torso and my trunk and everything else. But if you don't train it and, and, and we have sedentary lifestyles and all we're doing is sitting all day and, and whether it's the car or the desk or whatever, and we're not being intentional about it, then we lose that firing pathway. And then we go to just use the global muscles without the intrinsic muscles. And that's when people really start to put that strain on their spine. Um, and so, yeah, I'm totally in, in agreement with you that your lifestyle and your capability moving forward in life is going to be enhanced, uh, probably a lot more because of the core stuff you're doing than, you know, running a mile faster or lifting a cinder block a little bit heavier. And, and unfortunately to your point, it doesn't get the press. And, and yeah, I think I've done a, a health tip before about doing planking and the, it seems boring and it seems like it's not doing anything, but in truth, it's really that foundational piece that, um, you can do. So in your opinion, what, what could like PAX do in the gloom to, to emulate some of the things that you find that is helpful for you in training that core? Um, well, I mean, a, a lot of the guys are runners and they like running and that's fine. You get cardio, but you know, I would encourage people to look at, you know, getting some kettlebell, you know, either starting a kettlebell workout or some kettle, you know, some other, you know, more resistance training. I mean, the benefit, a lot of people don't realize they're like, well, I need my cardio. It's like, I, you can get cardio in resistance training if you do it right. Um, there's a lot of stuff you can do where you can get your heart rate up big time doing full body exercises because you just got to engage the big muscles. So, you know, I would say, see, there's so many benefits of strength training over just because here I'll back up. I walked in, I see guys in the gym, guys and girls in the gym, they show up year after year after year. They come in kind of fat and overweight and they get on the treadmill for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. And they come in a year later, there's, there's no change because the body's used to it. They're just doing the same thing. It's like you got to you got to trick the body. You got to completely change it up every four to six weeks. But the, but the cool, the strength training also, now you're building lean muscle mass. So now you're burning more calories. You're basically, you're basically extinguishing the candle at both ends or, you know, cause it's like, you know, now it's like, you know, I'm, I might drop 10 pounds of fat, but I might put on two pounds of lean muscle mass. So now my basal, whatever BMR, basal metallic rate, whatever it's called. Now that goes up. So now I can, I can just lay on the couch and burn 2000 calories a day. You know, yeah. you know so you're, you're winning, you know, versus if you're just running, 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 you might burn 15,000 or what depends on your muscle mass, say 1500, sorry, not thousand, 1500 to whatever, 1800 calories a day. But if you're never adding lean muscle mass, you're never raising that, that BMR. So all you're doing is having to burn calories, which, you know, that's why this, I have so much material. It's like, I'm, I could just, ramble. <laughs> well, I mean, we're going to let you get into some of that. And, and sure. I appreciate your passion 
for it because, uh, you know, I could talk about this forever and all day. And kind of what you're referring to is a little bit about that muscle confusion, uh, changing the style of workout. I know that's why when I typically try to pose, I, I, I add variation, right? It's not always a running AO. It's not always a boot camp. It's not always a ruck. It's not always a kettlebell. But by incorporating the, the gamut of those things, you're going to see the best and biggest change because you're utilizing muscle and, and, and using energy sources that are a little bit different based on the style of exercise. But it sounds like prior to the hip replacement or certainly during the hip, that this was before F3. Is that correct? I mean, is this yeah. before you did that? Yeah, that Yep. So, so, so how, how did you learn about F3 and kind of get incorporated with, with that? When, when does um, that come into play? So, so let's see, I, I look back at my notes. So that, so, uh, 2018 spring, I got diagnosed 2019. I had my hip surgery in January. So that summer, like, I think I have down here, maybe six fifteen nineteen. 19, I think it was my first post, not hundred percent sure about that, but so was that, you know, summer of, when I was 52, 2019, um, I just, I mean, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. You just don't, if you're, unless you're a, I'm pretty much a hermit. So unless you're like a really hermit, um, you got, you just know about F3, you know about it. And I always kind of looked at it and I thought it was kind of cool. You know, I was like, and so I just basically EH myself. I got on the webs, found a, uh, you know, a workout. And so it, it was more, you know, I was like, well, I need to, I mean, I, I, I wanted to pick up a little more than my weight train, you know, my, my two days a week I was doing at the, at the gym, just, it kind of add, just kind of keep the acceleration going. And then also just to kind of be in community of other people that, you know, I would say the main reason I joined is to find out about service opportunities. And I found out because you get in those COTs and people are saying, Hey, we're doing this this week, or we're doing that or whatever, you know, and then you, you, you just, because I really do live a pretty hermity lifestyle. I mean, just because you go to work, come back, whatever. It's like, I was like, I always say, it's funny. Like if, if the FBI wanted to track me, I'd be easy to track that. It's like, oh, there he goes to work, there he goes to church, or he goes to scouts, work, church, scouts. It's like pretty boring, you know? So um, so that's kind of how I started adding it in. I usually, you know, do a, you know, try to do a post or two a week in addition to my, you know, weight training regimen. And got it. And so 2019 kind of got involved, EH'd yourself, and then you kind of supplement some of your other exercise strategy with some F3 workouts. But most importantly, you're kind of really diving into the third F and the second F component of F3's, you know, offerings is, is what it sounds like you're doing. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then so obviously you're doing some specific things to work um, your muscles and, and exercise your body. But often, and I've said it multiple times that, you know, the exercise component to health is just part of the equation that in, in fact, you can't, you know, out exercise a poor diet, or you can't act king or queen uh, is often kind of thrown around. So tell me a little bit about your food strategy and some of the things that you have implemented for yourself that you've seen become very successful in helping you kind of stay where you want to be with your fitness or, or your overall health. Yeah. So, I mean, the food is like seven podcasts, but I'll talk <laughs> and, and uh, my, my position, my opinion is that 
you know, I, I thought food was, it was like 50, 50 fit food. And I started learning it. I think it's more like 80 food, 20 fitness. So in essence, you could get the food right and almost not even do barely any fitness. You're better off doing that than having the food wrong and then posting seven days a week. So, and the food is like a major rabbit hole you get down. Cause I, I mean, I, you met, you touched on it on the one, the episode one that I listened to this morning, but it's like, we are so scammed by big pharma and big, <laughs> you can cut this out if you want. Like it's a little political, but no, it's you're like, fine, you're fine. this is all about making money and profits. It's not about health and being honest. It's like, well, look, just look at, there's an ad, Coke adds life. Nah, it doesn't. <laughs> Coke does not add life. Coke takes away life, but that's the ad. That's what we got hit with, you know, when we're in our twenties or, you know, all these things, it's like, no. So you really have to like be intentional. That's the word I was looking for earlier. <laughs> you have to be intentional about seeking out this information and learn it. Um, but the food is a big deal. That's how I got through the pan the pandemic. I mean, when we kind of stopped posting, I said, all right, well, I'm missing out on my gym time and my posting time and everything. So I'm going to hyper focus on food. It's like, cause if I, if I'm missing the 20, let's just say it's 80, 20 for sake of argument. If I'm missing out on the 20, if I go super turbo on the 80, I'm good. You know? So that's what I did. I really started looking, you know, I, I got rid of like refined sugars first. Then you start looking at stuff you can, you can um, substitute and everything I did was super slow. You're talking about a, well, this is a seven year. No, no, not seven year. Gosh, my math is terrible. So from 48 to 55. Yeah. Like about a seven year thing or, you know, three, four year of, of ramping up of accelerating journey. So it's nice and slow and intentional and it's stuff that it's not fat. It's stuff that you can, it's their lifestyle changes. So I would say, I'm going to try switching, you know, this Mayo for this Mayo. That's a better choice. Okay. Now that's my Mayo for the rest of my life. Or I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go from, you know, coffee with two spoonfuls of sugar to, stevia okay that's my sweetener for the rest of my life or you know i'm gonna just making a lot of those substitutions but i'm gonna go from lace chips to you know siete or however you pronounce it non-gmo whatever or eggs i love eggs eggs are awesome if i get on a whole tangent on eggs eggs it's like what do you think why would you get the dollar 99 eggs it's like it's four dollars and you just bought a starbucks this morning it's like it's $4 for 12 eggs. That's a lot of, and it, what I found out is that when you eat quality stuff, your body says, Hey, thanks. I'm good. You know, whereas like, that's why you can eat a whole bag of chips because your body's saying, Hey, is there anything good coming anytime soon? You know, it's like, you know, so you eat like four bags of chips because it's, there's nothing in it. I mean, a loaf of bread has, I don't know. I mean, you can correct me and edit this out, but I don't think there's anything quality about a loaf of white bread. Like you get like nothing. So, but if you give them like two, farm-raised, grass-fed, organic eggs, you eat that and you chill for a minute and drink a glass of water and your body says, thank you. Dang, that's good. I'm rolling. We're ready to roll, you know, versus whatever, you know, a stack of pancakes, you know, so. Yeah, you're, you're touching on the, the concept uh, and then I like to talk about it too, is, is food is fuel, right? And, yeah. and your body is designed to operate on certain nutrients and certain vitamins and certain um, minerals. And when it's devoid of those things, it, it cries out and it says, hey, listen, I, I need more of that. And then when you give it, it, it satiates it and, and your body uh, performance is on, on that. Uh, I always used to use an analogy. Uh, I may have shared it before is, um, you know, uh, imagine for a moment uh, we gifted 
you at the million dollar racehorse. And we said, Hey, listen, this is your racehorse. It's going to run in next year's Kentucky Derby. Um, you're kind of tasked with um, choosing the menu for that horse to eat. We're going to, we're going to pay all the bills. We're going to uh, stable it. We're going to train it. All we're asking really for you is to help us determine what that horse eats. And in most cases, most of us is going to run out and try to determine what is the highest quality nutrient dense food for that horse. We're going to spend time and effort and energy and ensure that that horse gets the best quality food. Um, yet for most of us as individuals, or certainly as a society, we put very little thought into that. And, and all of us are, or in my opinion, a lot more valuable than a million dollar racehorse. But that's just, the, you know, to your point, it's just the, the advertisement, uh, the food is uh, subsidized and it's cheap and unfortunately doesn't give us that nutritional value that we're looking for. So it sounds like you obviously recognize some of that was there certain things that you did to learn about it? Or, I mean, did you have certain teachers, certain books? Are there things that you can kind of help uh, PACs kind of direct their attention to to learn a little bit more about it? Yeah. So when I started in the beginning, you know, I'll go back. I got the diagnosis. Boom. Started swimming. Started doing the strength training. I learned when I then I now you're in the fitness community. You're learning that food's important. I'm like, well, hey, if food's important, I need a dietitian, uh, you know, a, a, a nutritionist. Sorry, nutritionist. So another key. I mean, it's like you can do your own taxes. You can. Do you want to do your own taxes? Do you want to do your own heart surgery? It's like when you get a certain age, you're like, no, I'm not changing my own oil for 35 bucks. You know, and and it's like this person, these people know what they're doing. They spent their whole life work. It's like you bring professionals into your life. And that's how you live in community. And that goes back to the faith component too. But yeah, the nutritionist was a big deal. So then she started educating me and guess, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield, it covers it hundred percent. Unlimited sessions. It's like, hello, <laughs> it's like, what, what was wrong with you? So like she spent her whole life doing that. So we, you know, we would meet like monthly, you know, in person and then Zoom during the thing. But yeah, she would teach me a lot of that stuff. And, and that's how I learned about stuff. And she, you know, that's like one of the things was like, and everyone has different ways, but it's like, I was like staying away from fatty, you know, like uh, yogurt. She's like, no, you want the full fat yogurt. I'm like, really? You know, and it's like, yeah, healthy fats are good. Eat, eat some good butter and, you know, all that. Stuff. And I, like, I, I was 50 years old. I never knew that. I was trying to cut fat and eat, you know, so anyway, sorry, I'll, I'll pause. Cause I get no, 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 that was exactly what I was asking is, is it sounds like you recognize the importance of a asking for help and B seeking out some, you know, um, professional uh, guidance on that. I mean, I, I think I shared in a previous post or tip or whatever about three mistakes that men make when it comes to getting healthy. And one of it is ignoring the reality that sometimes asking for help is what we need to do uh, and trying to figure it out all on our own. And so it sounds like you've kind of gotten to that point where you looked into that and as a result has gained a lot of information and knowledge extremely quickly because you're using all that person's time and effort and energy and the things that, that they worked years to, to learn. That's why I love about podcasting. I love about books is you can learn, you know, so much information in a condensed version in a quick, quick amount of time. So I think you bring up a great point that you got to be intentional about all the things when it comes to health, whether it's fitness or, or food or whatever, um, and, and, and you're doing it. So it sounds like you got educated on that, started implementing changes. I'm assuming you didn't walk home the first day and throw out your pantry. I'm assuming you had a strategy around implementing some of those changes. 
Yeah, we, you know, we hit them one at a time. We was, you know, again, in, that word intentional was very intentional. You know, the first thing we got rid of was refined sugars. So they started working those out. You know, what has refined, what am I eating that has refined? Of course, you know, I, you know, I, I'm down to water and coffee. That's, that's the fluids that I that put go in my body. And, I'm sorry, and half and half. Good healthy fats. <laughs> I'll make a decadent cup of coffee with stevia, a ton of half and half, and some high quality coffee. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't drink soft drinks. I mean, when I say never, I can't say never, you know, I might take a sip or something. I might drink a beer or two a year, maybe a glass, half a glass of wine a year or two. I mean, but it's very, it's a very simple, I always say what you want to put in your body is stuff that doesn't have a barcode. <laughs> yeah. So elaborate on that. Tell, tell us kind of what your shopping strategy is. Well, I mean, the least amount of ingredients, the better, you know, you, what's how many ingredients are in an apple one you know no barcode it's good when you start having a list of 30 40 ingredients that's when you get in trouble so you stay on the outside of the of the store um but i mean and then you can get the pro the cool thing this is why i say just the food component could be like 10 20 podcasts because you get into apples well an apple's not an apple and then you got organic apples you got this apple because it could be like bad stuff sprayed on it bah, 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 bah. i mean you can really, that's why you just take it one at a time. It's like get rid of, if someone, if you wanted to make one change in your life, get rid of refined sugars. Anything okay. that's got refined sugar. That's if you just did one thing, do that first, work on that. Gotcha. Then come back and see me. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that approach because, you know, I think a lot of times people, they'll start learning some of this information or they'll start understanding that it matters what they are putting in their body. And it can be overwhelming, right? I mean, it's, if it, and I've seen this happen with my own clients that they'll come in and we'll talk about what they need to do to start changing their health. And, you know, I try to, I try to spoon feed it. Uh, you know, they want all the information day one and, and I simply kind of explain that that's probably not optimal for them because it'll be a overwhelming B you'll get discouraged about it and, and C you're just going to throw up your hands and say, Oh, I don't think I'm capable of making that kind of sacrifice. And in truth, you're probably not day one. Um, just like you can't go out day one necessarily and be the 12 at a, a workout. If you've never worked out before, I mean, you got to go and you got to dip your toe in the water and you got to get acclimated to it. And, and you got to walk through that process. So I love that idea that, um, you know, kind of pick this one thing, master that, and then, you know, come back and, and, and try step two and, and then step three and step four. And as you know, because you've done it, um, as you start doing those changes, the things that seem to be difficult to do initially become the new normal, right? It becomes the new habit. It becomes simple. You know, a lot of times we talk about how to read ingredient labels with our clients and we talk about what they need to do on the, you know, as they go through the shopping mall. And I'll have a patient come back and be like, I just spent six hours up and down the aisle at Harris Teeter. And, and I can't, you know, trying to read all these ingredients and I can't do that every week. And I said, well, you won't every week because what you learn this week, you won't have to redo next week and then the following week and, and so forth. So, you know, Pax, if you are interested in kind of taking these steps, if you're not doing it already, um, you know, do what Ford said is, you know, pick the one thing, master that. And it doesn't have to be refined sugar, right? It could be whatever it is for you. Uh, but, but it is a matter of picking that first thing and then, then working in that direction um, to kind of start transforming your life. So obviously you're dialing in your diet, you're dialing in your, your workout. 
Um, are you doing any type of vitamins, supplements? Do you do anything like that when it comes to health? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't take anything except for water and coffee. And then I do um, like a multivitamin that I, like a major multivitamin that I got from the nutritionist um, and zinc and D3 or something like that is all I'm on. I've been on since the 2020, you know. Gotcha. That, that's it. Obviously, you've seen some health benefits, um, you know, with weight loss or more energy. What are some of the other kind of parameters that you've noticed as far as your health improvements have been uh, over the course of kind of your health journey uh, when it comes to maybe lab markers, things like that? Have you seen some of those things shift in the right direction? Yeah. So when I, when I got diagnosed with the hip, I had my labs done. I'll give you an example on triglycerides. In September of 2018, my triglycerides were 367. Oh, whoa. <laughs> right. That's what nutritionist says. We need to do something about this, homie. <laughs> it's yeah. like, right. 367. So 11 months later, exactly in August of 2019, they went from 367 to 108. Wow. And that wasn't implementing a medication, correct? That was just no, no, lifestyle and diet? Yeah, yeah I, I, got, I have no, no prescriptions, never had any, nothing. There's nothing that was in me, I mean, except for, yeah, that's it. Coffee and water, right? 367 <laughs> to 108 in, in 11 months. Man, that's fantastic. And that's just a testimony of how well our bio, bodies can heal when we start doing the right things. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Uh, any other markers that you saw kind of a big shift in? Um, well, I mean, there's the weight too, you know, so I think like I was probably, you know, I've, I've been hanging in the low two hundreds most of my life. I, I always kind of joke. I added like one pound of fat per year for 30 years, you know, it's basically the deal. Um, and I think probably at my worst, I was probably maybe two ten ish something like that. So, so I, I want to say, but I started swimming, you know, so, uh, yeah, so I would from from when I was diagnosed to like a year later, I basically, I don't know how much muscle I put on because I wasn't weighing, but I basically lost at least 10 pounds of fat, like in the first year. Because it's slow, it's slow and go. It's not, it's nothing crazy. Um, and it, you know, I got down to like 201. Then um, I think, let's see. Uh, then, then, I, then I, then about another year later, I lost about another ten pounds and got down to one ninety, um, so low one nineties. Um, so now I've got at least twenty pounds of fat I'm not carrying around on my knees and joints and everything. Probably more because I'm adding lean muscle mass during this time too. So, and then I kind of hung out in the low one nineties for a while, and then in August of twenty twenty. I think this is during the pandemic thing when I said, all right, my gym situation is a little jacked up. I really need to focus on the food. I tried intermittent fasting and I did just the easy version. I ate from 11 a.m. to um, 7 p.m. and um, ate whatever I wanted. But of course, I've been making pretty decent choices, but I didn't like hold back food. I just ate until I was completely stuffed. Like I've done that this whole time. I, I, I never been hungry in five years. Um, I just eat more of good stuff. So essentially, so what that intermittent fasting did is I shed off another 10 pounds of fat. And now I'm kind of, that was, that was August, 2020. 
So 2021, now I'm kind of just hanging in the low 180s and then maybe adding a pound of muscle mass every now and again. So I'm kind of like still kind of chilling there. Um, you know, I, for fun, just for sport, I might try to get like to 10% body fat just to see. <laughs> I don't know, but it, I don't, it's like why. It's like that's that's hard. That's hard. So yeah, I agree with that. That's a real sacrifice. So it sounds like some intermittent fasting was also part of the strategy there to kind of get that additional 10 pounds or so. And now do you continue to do intermittent fasting now, or is that something so, you did for a while and not anymore? Again, yes ish. So essentially like everything I've done has just been a permanent thing. So I pretty much don't eat from 11. I, I don't eat until 11 o'clock. I haven't eaten anything today. It's 12 o'clock. haven't had any, any calories. Um, and uh, I'll try to quit at seven, but I'm not like, crazy about it. Like if there's something like when I was doing the intermittent fasting, I was serious about like if there, if I went to a, a breakfast or something, I would not eat. Now, if I go to a breakfast meeting, I'll just eat, you know, or whatever, if, if it's the right thing, maybe if I feel like it or whatever, or if I feel like having a snack after seven, I'll have a snack. Um, but I'll try to have a good snack, you know, I'm not, you know, not always good. And I still, I'll eat. Like if I, if my mom makes a cake, I might eat a half a cake one day. <laughs> just because, like, you know, but I mean, I'm not doing it every day, you know. So, again, it's the eight. I think I've learned that you don't have to be diligent 100% of the time. You just have to be diligent most of, like, maybe 80, 80, 20, on my opinion, uneducated opinion. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you. And, and, and I don't think anybody can be 100% all the time. And, and one of the things that I counsel clients all the time is that 80 20 rule, because if you take the fun out of life or the, in the take away the flexibility of schedules and, and, and enjoyment and, and so forth. No, it's not sustainable. Right. And so yeah. for the majority of us, we want something sustainable that we can do to better our lives and, you know, moving forward and, and, and all that kind of stuff, man. So we, we covered a bunch of stuff. Um, is there anything else that uh, you feel like the packs need to know as far as, um, things that you've implemented that you feel like might be a good little tidbit for them to, to consider when it comes to optimizing their health? I mean, I can run down just really quick, like a super quick checklist. Like I would say, A, you know, getting some kind of fellowship group weekly, you know, get that, get that faith, something outside of yourself foundation first. I would say number one after or number two after that would be to study food science because that's where your biggest gains are going to be over the workout. Learn, be intentional about learning about food. I would say the next thing after that would be make slow changes that you can make permanent. Don't try to do it all at once. You got to remember, I'm talking, this is a four or five, six year journey here. I'm losing 10 pounds a year. I'm not losing 10 pounds a month. Um, so I, I would, you know, get that faith because I'll back up on the faith thing real quick. I'll say, Everything, when I look back retrospectively, every bad thing that happened to me ended up being a blessing. All the worst crap that's ever happened to me in my life retrospectively has been a blessing. If I wouldn't have been born with a birth defect and had that thing and have my hip blow out on me, we would not be sitting here talking today. I'd, st I'd still be 210, 220 pounds with uh, freaking triglycerides or 367, maybe on heart medication. All right. So having that quote unquote bad thing happen was one of the best blessings of my life. So sorry to keep going back to that, but it is so foundational to have that perspective. So slow changes, um, build lean mass, do some strength resistance training. And my last thing is you, you can get cardio 
with resistance training, you don't have to run on a treadmill. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And that's all good things. And, and, and to you runners out there, we're not trying to beat you up here. Uh, if, you, if that's your thing and you love to go out there and get that, those miles in and certainly do it. But uh, we also want, you know, to encourage those guys that maybe aren't built to be runners and they're looking at runners going, man, I'm, I'm never going to run that 5k or the BRR or whatever that might be. That's okay. You, you, you don't have to. Um, and, and in truth, really this high intensity interval training concept, which is really what you're kind of hitting on is this idea that doing something with full exertion for a short amount of time actually has been scientifically proven to burn more fat, improve your, you know, metal metabolic rate much, much more efficiently than these long drawn out, um, cardiovascular, you know, cardiovascular, uh, endurance type of stuff. And so I think that's great. And as we get older, um, our ability to do some of those long, long, long-term, you know, steady state things, um, become less important and actually more damaging on our joints and create more inflammation on our system. So knowing that you don't have to do all that, I think is, is, is really important. And I'm a big fan of lean muscle. Um, I just received my, uh, weight vest in the mail, uh, as of the other day, cause I'm going to start implementing that in some of my workouts, um, as I, as I boot camp and whatever, just to add that additional resistance, because I like you believe that that is a foundational component to, to accelerating our King and, and moving, you know, and, and achieving those goals. But, uh, anything else forge, um, before we wrap up here, I really appreciate your, your wisdom and your willingness to share. Yeah, I, th- I think, that hits out. I can't, I mean, I think we hit on all the high spots. I think you got enough material for a 20, 30 minute podcast. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, this, this thing is going to go well. Uh, and I know the packs are going to appreciate it. And, and I appreciate your willingness to, to share w- with everybody. So uh, thanks again. And um, F3 nation packs. I appreciate you guys listening to this and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys next time on the hunt for wellness podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation Slack at bones, or Twitter at HFW podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness.